Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, as you have realized, it is Labor Day weekend, and... Um, you know, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, where on earth did summer go? It just kind of blew past. And, you know, so if you think about it, again, Labor Day is, is the official end of summer. And it, it's a day that we stop and celebrate the American worker. You know, Labor Day has actually been a federal holiday since 1894. And according to the, the Department of Labor, it, it's always to be first Monday in September. You know, and I think it's, it's important for us to, to stop and think about our work, to think about our labor. You know, obviously our nation was built on, on the backs, on the, 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 the blood, sweat, and, and tears of the American worker. And so it's, it's important that we, we stop and we honor the, the American workers. Certainly the, the prosperity and the, the uh, significance of our, nation, of our nation is firmly built on people who have been willing to work hard and willing to, to invest themselves. You know, um, if you're retired now, every day's a, a holiday, right? For, for those of you, um, my dad always said that he worked harder after he retired than he ever did, you know, that he was busier, he had more going on in his life after he retired. And, and so um, maybe, maybe that's true for some of you. If you ever feel overworked, um, I, I think you will appreciate this. During World War II, if you remember, the, the Nazis bombed England, especially London, on a, on a ferocious level. And when they were cleaning up the rubble after some of the bombing, uh, an old building had been demolished by bombs. And as they were cleaning up, they found this ledger that had been lost to time. And when they started looking through this ledger, they, they found that it had been written just shortly after a, um, some, some labor laws had gone into effect. It, the ledger was dated from 1852. And this was a new list of work rules that were being put into place. It says, the firm has reduced the hours of work and the clerical staff will now have to be present between the hours of 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays only. Clothing must be of a sober nature. The clerical staff will not deport themselves in raiment of bright colors, nor will they wear hose unless in good repair. Overshoes and top coats may not be worn in the office, but neck scarves and headwear may be worn in inclement weather. A stove is provided for the benefit of the clerical staff. Coal and wood must be kept in the locker. 
It is recommended that each member of the clerical staff bring four pounds of coal each day during the cold weather. No member of the clerical staff may leave the room without permission from the supervisor. No talking is allowed during business hours. The craving for tobacco, wine, or spirits is a human weakness, and as such is forbidden to all members of the clerical staff. Now that the hours of business have been drastically reduced, the partaking of food is allowed between 11.30 and noon, but under no circumstances will work in any way cease. Members of the clerical staff will provide their own pens. A new sharpener is available upon application to the supervisor in which to sharpen pencils. The supervisor will nominate a senior clerk to be responsible for the cleanliness of the main office and the private offices. All boys and juniors will report to him 40 minutes before prayers and will remain after closing hours for similar work. Brushes, brooms, scrubbers, and soap are provided by the owners. The owner recognizes the generosity of the new labor laws, but will expect a great rise in output of work to compensate for these new work conditions. So if you feel like you've got it rough at work, just be glad you're not doing it this way. Now, I think all of us have heard the old saying, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And for a large portion of the workforce, you know, that, that is the reason that people drag themselves out of bed every morning and go to work. You know, the, the, their, their sole existence is to pay the bills. And if you think about it, that's a pretty, pretty bad reason to have to get up and go to work. You know, if that's the, the only thing that's motivating you, then, then there's some problems there. According to one poll, only 43% of American workers are satisfied in their jobs. Now, if you think, well, that's, that's not very good. In Japan, the figure drops all the way down to 17%. So that's, that's, a, you know, that, that's a pretty severe um, number for, for people who enjoy what they're doing. Now, in the first century, one of the groups of people who were most drawn to Christianity were slaves. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. Christianity, even today, is primarily um, desired by people who have been through a rough time, people who are kind of searching, people who are struggling, people who feel like they, they've been beaten down. You know, Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The, the reality is, is the Christian message is, is really heard by people who are hurting, by people who are struggling. And certainly slaves would come under that category. And so in the first century, slaves were coming to Christ in huge numbers. Now, if ever there was a group who had reason to hate their jobs and to not work at their jobs, that would be slaves. You know, if, if you, again, just stop and think about it. But listen to what Paul tells 
slaves in the book of Titus in the Bible. He says, tell this to those who are slaves. They should be willing to serve their masters at all times. They should try to please them, not argue with them. They should not steal from them, and they should show their masters that they can be trusted. Then in everything they do, they will show that the teaching of God our Savior is good. Do you hear Paul, what he's saying here? He's not saying you have every right to be upset. You have every right to, to rebel against your master. You have every right to, to not be expected to work. That's not at all what Paul is telling them. Paul is saying you step up and you do a good job. A significant way that we can serve God is by how we do our everyday tasks. Martin Luther certainly understood that. Martin Luther wrote, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. It can seem like maybe our work somehow isn't significant, that, that maybe you feel like the job you're doing doesn't matter or that nobody cares or that nobody even notices. But the reality is, is that that couldn't be further from the truth. Think about your work. And, and if you think, well, I don't, I don't matter, my work doesn't matter, nobody cares, if that's kind of your mindset, I want to I help you see it in a, a different context. Remember the flood that happened back in 93? Now, I realize some of you weren't even born yet, but remember there was a flood back in 1993. And if you think about all of that water and... When you're thinking about all of that water, you stop and realize that all of that water was made up of countless numbers of little drops of water. You know, you with me? Well, our work is like a flood. By ourselves, we're insignificant. We're nothing other than a drop of water. But if we take our work and we put it with the work of other people, it amasses to something that matters. You know, but if you remove enough of those little drops of water, then things change. All of a sudden, instead of a flood, you have a drought. And if you're thinking, well, my, my work really doesn't matter, it does matter. It matters to you and it matters to God. You know, think about even just right now, you can't go anywhere that there are not businesses that have signs up looking for help. Why? Because there's not enough people who are willing to work. Businesses are having to shorten their hours. There are businesses that are even closing down because they can't staff a workforce. All of those little drops matter. Your work matters. 
Your work matters to your family. You, you know, yes, your work matters because that's how you pay your bills. Uh, understandable. I saw a quote this week that said, God feeds the little birds, but he doesn't throw the seeds in the nest. And that's, that's a good way to understand. It's our responsibility to go out there and do the work that's necessary. And think about it. If you didn't work, then who would provide for all the lazy people? You know, uh, think about that. You know, let, let's, let's use, it, for example, politicians. You know, they would have to go out and get real jobs. And I, I mean, that would just be unconscionable for them to have to do something like that. So it's important that you keep working, if nothing else, to support those guys in, in Jeff City and, and in Washington. Now, I, seriously, now, I, I want us to take a fresh look at the work that you do. Remember that everything, everything you do is to be done as a means of honoring God. Your life is to be an expression of worship to God. I, I want, if nothing else, I want you to leave with that mindset today. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Weight of Glory, wrote the, the work of a composer such as Beethoven and the work of a housemaid become spiritual on precisely the same condition, that of being offered to God and of being done humbly as unto the Lord. This does not, of course, mean that it is for anyone a mere toss-up whether he should sweep rooms or compose symphonies. A mole must dig to the glory of God, and a rooster must crow. Let that sink in for you. Who you are matters. What you do matters. We're not all supposed to be doing the same thing. Each of us have work that we are assigned. You know, when he says a mole must dig, a mole is being a mole. It's doing what it's supposed to do. A rooster crowing is, a, is what a rooster's supposed to do. You have your job. You don't have to feel obligated unless God is calling you. You don't have to feel obligated to go off to deepest, darkest parts of the world and, and do stuff there if God has not called you to it. Be who God called you to be. You know, ultimately, though, whatever it is you do, your job is to be done for the Lord. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, keep working at it with all of your heart as for the Lord and not for people. This was a regular theme with Paul. He, he constantly was bringing this up. He, he even told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Wow. Think about that. There, this is a great reminder. And, and you, again, you might think, well, what I do doesn't matter or, or that you know, anybody else could do it. But this scripture is a reminder that God takes everything that you do and he makes it significant. Now, I want to use this verse and kind of compare it 
with another verse that is often misquoted and often misunderstood, and that is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. First of all, let's understand that God does not make everything work for good, but only for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. The reason this verse is misquoted and misunderstood is a lot of people just operate under this assumption, whatever happens in life, it'll just turn out good. It'll be fine. God will make everything work out. Well, that's just flat out not true. You know, if, if a person is not living for God, they, they can't expect anything good to happen. You know, if, if a tragedy occurs, God's not under any obligation to turn that around. So we need to understand that this is a, this is a promise for the believer. That when a believer has tragedy happen in their life, God will use even a bad thing, even a, even a tragedy, he will turn it to something good. Now, let's understand that. And then when we think about 1 Corinthians 15, you know, let's apply this to our work. Now, again, Romans 8.28 says that no matter what we do, no matter what happens in life, God can use that. God can bring something positive, something, something favorable out of that process. And so your work, even if you think your work is meaningless, even if you think your work has somehow no purpose whatsoever other than you're just going through the motions to pay bills, even if that's your mindset, what this scripture is telling us is that God can use even what you think is meaningless for something positive. Remember good old Moses after he murdered the Egyptians? He ran into the wilderness, and for the next 40 years, you know what he did? He followed sheep around. That was his job. He became a sheep herder. And I'm sure in Moses' mind, for that 40 years, he's thinking, well, this is what I get. You know, I, I blew it over here, and so I don't really have anything going for me, so I'm just going through the motions. I'm waiting to die. It, that's, that's all that's left in my life. But God used the meaningless, mindless, mind-numbing job of following sheep around to train him to become the leader of the Israelites. You can't predict what God is going to be doing with you. And so wherever you find yourself, do your best at it because God is preparing you. God wants to use you. Now, God will turn whatever you have going on in your life towards something good if you are committed to Him and you are committed to, to loving Him and living for Him. So that's... In, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. That's your, your job that you maybe hate right now. And then the second part, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's, 
That's powerful. Understand, wherever you find yourself in life right now, God is at work. God is using you. God has plans for your life. So live a life that is committed to Him, committed to His purposes, and work at your job enthusiastically. You know, if you are committed to God and you're committed to doing His work, then you are not working anonymously. God sees what you're doing. He, he pays attention. You matter. Now, remember, Jesus even said in Mark 9 that the person who gives a mere drink of water in Jesus' name will most certainly be rewarded. No task is too small. No job is insignificant. Nothing that you do escapes the notice of God. He's watching, and He's watching your attitude. He's watching your mindset. The Apostle Paul urged the church at Colossae to do their work with all of their heart as for the Lord, not for people. If you work for people... They're going to, you know, they're going to let you down. They're going to they're going to fall short. They're not going to do everything great all the time. But when you work for the Lord, everything is always constant. Everything is always consistent. You know, and and so it's important that you have the right mindset. You know that you know if if you're sitting here today and you're just going, "Ah, oh, the thought of even going to work next on Tuesday is just numbing my mind. You know, I, I don't even want to have to think about it. Then here's the way you need to begin to approach what you do. As a follower of Christ, there needs to be a different mindset that you look at your work. So what do you do? do you, should we all quit the job that you don't like and, and hopefully you'll find something better? You know, do you just keep plodding along and just go, ah, I, maybe I'll make it to retirement before I, I drive, go absolutely nuts? You know, uh, what, what, is, what is the approach? Well, we are called as Christians to be people who love, Right? We are to love God and we are to love others. That is the bottom line. If you want to get down to the bare bones of what Christianity teaches, our number one requirement is we are to love God and we are to love others. And so what we need to do is we need to take that mindset and we apply it to the workspace. We apply it to wherever we find ourselves employed. As followers of Christ, our number one attribute is to love. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you want the Bible summed up, there it is. You can take the entire Bible and sum it, cook it down. There it is. Love God, love others. So if you do nothing else as a follower of Christ, at least aim for this. 
that, you know, that's it. And so think about how you can put into practice doing the job that you do as an expression of love, as an expression of love to God and an expression of love to the people around you. Well, how do you do that? Well, the way you do that is you begin to approach your work as a ministry. You are no longer hammering nails for your boss. You're, handling, you're hammering nails for Jesus. You're no longer digging holes for your boss. You're digging holes for Jesus. You're no longer driving for yourself. You're driving for Jesus. Every job you have... You're no longer doing it for you. You're doing it for the love of Jesus and the love of others. So instead of seeing your job as just a, a means to an end, you begin to look at your work as a ministry, as a place to serve. In 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul wrote, This is because we remember your work that comes from faith your effort that comes from love, and your perseverance that comes from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. Understand that your labor is to be a labor of love. Whatever job you have, you need to be motivated as a person doing so in love. And, and let me say, as I'm looking out, I'm, I'm seeing students even your schoolwork becomes a labor of service, a labor of love to God. And, and I've already talked on this, but I want to hit it again, that your, your work is not wasted. Whatever God has for you, He's preparing you right now. And so your work is, is preparation for how God wants to use you. I've already read 1 Corinthians 15, 58, but again, understand, always work enthusiastically. In other words, with a good attitude for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Also, understand that everything you do, God pays attention. You know, again, if God knows how many hairs we have on our head, if God knows every time a little bird drops dead, God knows what you're doing. He knows where you are. He knows what your mindset is. He knows everything about you. And so understand that your work is, is known to God. Revelation 2.2 says, I know all of the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. God knows. He hasn't forgotten about you, even though you may feel like it. And He doesn't forget the work that you're doing. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers as you still do. That verse right there is a perfect example of loving God and loving others. When your work becomes an expression of love, you are going to love God by doing a good job, by doing what you're supposed to do. And you're going to become a, a person who loves your coworkers and loves your clients because God is working through you and you're doing it as a ministry and not just as a job. 
And then understand that there's more at stake than just paying the bills. There is an eternal consequence. There's an eternal reward. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Everything you do should be about pointing people to Jesus Christ, including washing dishes, including taking out the trash, including mowing the yard, including whatever you want to think about. Everything you do should be pointing people to Jesus Christ. And then, obviously, the goal is that we want to one day stand before God and have Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, that's the end result. And so we need to work. We need to labor in such a way that when God looks at us, He goes, that a boy, that's what I'm after. That's exactly the attitude I'm looking for. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. That's, that's the goal. Love God, love other people, please God. So this morning, what, what I'm wanting to do is challenge you that when you walk out of here, you're walking out with a new attitude, a new mindset. No longer in... in Look at your work as service, as, as, a, as a job. Forget that mentality. From now on, view what you do as a ministry, service given to God. Choose to love God and love others by the way you do your work. If you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't really know how to do that, I promise you, if you will pray about it and you will begin to, to open yourself to God's direction, He'll show you how to do it. You know, it's what God wants for you. Now, if you are currently not working because you are retired or, or something like that, understand this. As followers of Christ, we are commanded to serve. So find a place, an area to invest your life. If you don't have anywhere, please come and talk to me. I promise you, I can help you. Um, I, I, I can give you some things to do. But understand, there is no retirement plan in Christianity. It doesn't exist. We all are to serve God in this life. And then when we die, we are going to be serving and worshiping in heaven for eternity. And so understand that you're, you are needed, you are wanted. And if you are currently not serving and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in sin, brothers and sisters. It is wrong to not be invested in, in the work of the kingdom. And it doesn't have to be here at Park Baptist Church, but you need to be invested in the kingdom of God and you need to be serving in the kingdom of God. And again, if you're, you're not sure how to do that, 
We can figure it out, I promise. And it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. People who don't work and people who are not serving are unhealthy. That's not good because humans are naturally selfish. And so if you're not giving to other people, I, what's going to end up happening is you just start looking more and more at what, what do I want? What's good for me? What, what do I get? And that's a very unhealthy mindset. So let's serve. Let's invest. Let your service become your ministry rather than it just being an obligation that, that you feel like you have to do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for giving us the gift of work. Thank you for giving us the, the ability to work. Isn't it amazing, Lord? Just you, you are so good to us. You know, going clear back, I think, to, to Adam, you gave him work to do even before sin entered into the garden um, and into the, the human race. It was Adam's job to, to do work. And so, Father, I just pray that you will help us to have a new view on the way we work and on, on why we work. Please help us, Lord, to invest in you and to allow you to, to guide us and, and direct us as we, as we live our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making it all possible by dying on a cross. I am a sinner through and through. I, I know that the only thing that makes me have any righteousness is you. Your shed blood covers my sin. And so, Jesus, thank you for that. And I just ask that you help each person here and each person that's involved watching online. Help everybody, Lord, that's a part of this service to just understand that. We are nothing apart from you. We are everything in you. And I pray this all now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.